From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. everybody, this is Mike Lieberman. Welcome to What's Wrong With Revenue, episode eight, season two, episode eight. Uh, Eric, nice to have you back. You were uh, having a bit of a pickleball adventure over the weekend. How was it? It was excellent. The weather was great. The entire country's covered in snow, but there was a heat wave in Southern Florida, so I feel very grateful. Yeah, we really should. I've been thinking we really should uh, somehow find a way to infuse pickleball into our uh, show here. It's uh, such a popular sport. It's literally exploding. And to give you a little credit, I remember when you're like, Mike, I found this sport called pickleball. I was like, well, I actually had heard about it at the time. But you're right, man. People are going crazy for it. It's addictive. And you know, you, once you start playing, you just want to keep playing. You want to keep playing. You want to keep playing. I was actually saying to somebody the reason why I think I figured out why it's so addicting. You know, when you pick up golf and you go to play golf, you're not expecting right out of the gate to hit a 300-yard drive in the middle of the fairway. You're not expecting to step up to the second shot and drop it on the green. But when you play pickleball, there's something about it. It's so simplistic in its approach that everybody really thinks they should be good at it. They should be able to get the ball over. They should be able to make the shots. And when they don't, they're encouraged to continue to try to play and play and play and get better and get and better and better. It's really unique. I think from a sports perspective, even tennis, right? Like I never expect to be great at tennis right out of the gate. I feel like it's something I have to like, would really have to work on for an extended amount of time, but for some reason, pickleball, it's a very approachable sport. Everyone really, I think expects to be good at it. And that's what makes it kind of addicting. I agree. I mean, nobody has a bad first day at pickleball. You always have some success. You always, it's so social to begin with. People are like, nice shot, Mike. Come on back tomorrow. We'll do it again. The, you know, uh, I play pickleball all over. I, I took my paddle out to Pasadena, California. I looked it up. I appeared on the court. The people were like, from Philly? Come on, play with us. My brother lives in Philly. Like Very social, welcoming uh, uh, community around pickleball as well. And I just think that people have success on the first day. They come back on the second day. They come back on the third. Before you know it, they're buying $300 paddles. I think you're right. I think you're right. It's really interesting. It'll go down in history as some kind of like really interesting case study for sure. Well, you know, um, I was talking to my buddy and he said, we're watching the evolution of a new sport. Like pickleball is definitely going to be an Olympic sports suit, right? Think about it. Where we only other sport we could come up with that was similar in its evolution was snowboarding. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's true, right? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, all right, so today we're going to talk about resources. This is actually the sixth and final pillar in the uh, revenue generation system. We've covered process, we covered strategy, we covered campaigns, we covered tactics, we covered technology, and today we're going to check off the sixth and final component of a revenue generation system resources. So before we get into it, let me do my preamble. Uh, you can check out the show on our YouTube channel. Square to Marketing has a YouTube channel. All of the What's Wrong with Revenue channel uh, shows are posted there. They're all posted Thursday morning. You can like us. You can subscribe to it. You can leave comments. All that feedback is greatly appreciated. You can also get the show on our website. At the bottom of our uh, website in the footer, there's a link for What's Wrong with Revenue. It's a page dedicated to the show. You can subscribe to the show. We will email the show right to your inbox on Thursdays. You can submit questions. Eric and I will answer them. And you can also um, uh, subscribe to the show right there. We'll send you the show and we'll send you advance notices of upcoming shows. You can also get the show on Square2 Plus, our free streaming service, square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. You can subscribe to Square2 Plus and we'll send you updates on all the new audio and video content we post there. And we do post to Square2 Plus regularly. There are channels for CROs, CEOs, CMOs, and there's even a HubSpot technology channel. Go check it out. It's a really awesome free resource. 
And last but not least, if you're into podcasts and audio format for your educational content, What's Wrong With Revenue is on all your favorite podcast platforms. So let's get into our show today, Eric. Um, look, uh, no matter what you're doing, uh, the revenue generation system ultimately comes down to how you work on, how you plan, how you build and, and execute this system in your business. And unfortunately, that always comes back to resources. And do you have enough resources? Do you have the right resources? Uh, do they have enough bandwidth? Are they working on the right things? This is a big issue when it comes to executing a revenue generation system because it's limiting. If you don't have the right people, if they're not, if they don't have time to work on some of the things that are presented as part of this system, you're not really going to make a lot of progress. So we have to address resources as one of these elements, and we're going to cover that today. We're going to talk about how to decide exactly what resources you need for your particular revenue generation system. We're going to talk about how to manage those resources. We're going to talk about how to evaluate those resources. We're going to talk about uh, how do you properly budget the right number of resources based on your goals. And we'll also talk about supporting any uh, existing or outside resources as needed. So as I'd like to do, Eric, kick us off on this topic of resources to take us out and uh, we'll uh, get the conversation going. Yeah. So for our listeners that are familiar with Square2, you know, Mike and I founded the company almost 20 years ago. And Mike, you've always run the inside operation and I've always been the outside guy, kind of like speaking and working with prospective clients and actually selling them the deals. One of the things over the 20 years that was so evident in working with prospective clients is that they're very concerned about the resources. So what do I mean? Well, typically a two to $20 million company has some kind of resources, whether internal or external. There was always, always, always conflict about bringing on an agency as a new set of resources. And that's because most agencies want all of the work. We should do this. We should do the creative and we should do the execution. There's nothing wrong with that. There's more revenue in it for the agency. There's more control. There's more continuity, consistency, whatever you want to call it. The problem is that the business owners and their teams don't see it the same way. Well, wait a minute. We have a web person that we really like. We have a college intern that's doing our social media and you know they do it for very affordable. We like that. So what RGS does is it takes out the rub between uh, who's doing what because it welcomes the three sets of resources. The internal team for your listeners today, marketing and salespeople that you have in love. Contractors, yeah, we got a person who works with us 20 hours and they write our blog posts and an agency, whether that's SEO, marketing, public relations, or whatever. The beautiful or elegant thing about RGS is that it pulls everybody in uh, to be coordinated on the same plan of attack, same strategy. Now, if I have a contractor, yeah, they got to come to their weekly revenue team meeting because they're part of the revenue team. And yes, if you're a business owner, you have to pay that person for the 90 minutes that they're sitting in. But the impact you'll get, the coordination, the lack of duplication and, and uh, uh, extra efforts crossing over here and there will be eliminated because everybody's working from the same playbook. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that we baked into RGS when we created it is simply to eliminate this conflict that was uh, very uh, traditional in agency versus internal versus contractor scenarios. Yeah, I think um, that's a really good point. And you know, if you're looking at kind of transitioning from traditionally how you manage sales and marketing and looking at a revenue generation system going forward, it's not crazy to think that how you manage your current resources has to change, right? And you know, I don't, two comments, one I want to circle back to, but um, to remind me, um, it's a little prompt for you. The, it's a very common question our prospects ask us, uh, just remind me to get back to that in case I forget. Sure. But um, the, the the current way I think a lot of people manage their market and sales resources is, is, is not efficient to produce the kind of results they're expecting, right? Um, almost always the constraint is the time that the one person has or the two people have, right? And even if they do have a contractor, it's a very 
uh, narrow lane or very little box that they fit into to, to, to do something very specific for a particular company. It, it, it never really feels to me like it's a concerted effort where everyone kind of understands what the overall objective is and they're all kind of working together in a coordinated way. To your point, there's not enough organization. There's not enough coordination. We like to use the word orchestration. There's not enough orchestration of the activities across all those resources um, to really produce the results they're expecting. So when they don't get the results, they're disappointed, right? And I think this approach uh, where you look first at your internal resources and evaluate them in terms of their ability to do what you want them to do, you then look at any potential external resources that you might have access to and what can they do and how do they fit into the, the overall plan. And then if there's certain expertise or specific expertise that you need to get from an agency, how does that supplement everything and how do all of these resources work together? It's a very good point. Um, what I wanted to also mention is, and I'm still shocked at this question, but it comes up so consistently, I just have to mention it. How many times are, do people ask us when we're talking to prospects, how much of my time or how much of my team's time is going to be required to make this engagement work, right? 99% so, of the time. Right. And lately, it feels like all the time. Like, I'm always surprised. Like, lots of times the meeting's about to be over. We're like, oh, is there any other things you want to talk about? And they're like, oh, yes, actually, there is. Much of my time is going to be required to work with you guys. Like, it really is so important to people and I think that the, the fact that everybody asks us that means they don't have an unlimited amount of time. They're busy doing other things and they want to know exactly how much extra effort it's going to be, uh, extra time it's going to take to move the needle forward from a, a revenue perspective. So if time is one of the most important resources, then we really have to think differently about how we manage these resources, how we organize these resources and how we parse the workout too. I know we're going to talk in a little bit about like this parking lot concept and, you know, understanding priorities and, you know, assigning things to people so that it's, you're very efficient with everyone's time and, and, and resources. But more and more, it comes down to the people doing this work have a limited amount of time that they can put to this. And we really have to make sure they're working on the most important things that are the most aligned to our most important priorities and that everyone kind of agrees on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing it in real life with RGS clients today. I have one RGS client who is incredibly busy. And I mean, way busier than most. Coming into meetings, coming out of meetings. And what I explained to her was, if you would just focus for 90 minutes a week, you could get rid of all these other meetings. So what we started to do was to identify things that we can include in the weekly revenue team meeting. So I'll give you an amazing example. One of the agenda items in the RGS meeting is sales opportunities, right? We're talking about the sales opportunities that are in the final stages and uh, getting ready to close or getting near to close and what we could do to close. Remember, it's called the revenue team meeting. We're trying to generate revenue by getting more clients. So they used to have a separate meeting uh, with each of their two salespeople who used HubSpot, but used it slightly differently. Then they had to go back. They had to calculate what each one of those reps was uh, projecting. Then they had to bake that into next month's projections, blah, 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 blah. So I said, in the revenue team meeting, one of the agenda items is sales opportunities. If you would just have your sales team come with the three or four most pressing sales opportunities and decide if they're on track or off track, and if they're off track, we'll make them issues and brainstorm together. So that eliminated one whole meeting. Then I said, you're not using HubSpot correctly because you're letting each person use it as they want. It should be uniform. So we had a 30 minute huddle with each salesperson. How are you using HubSpot? Let me show you best practices. And then we created a report that combined the two pipelines into one report and it eliminated a third meeting. So like those simple things where like people can't get out of their own way to see how this could be more efficient. So I'll give you a great example. In one of the sales opportunities that was a little bit stuck, we brainstormed that we should create a video and send the video to the prospect uh, poking at their number one pains that they shared with us in the sales process. So they were like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. 
fired up Zoom, made the video, sent it to the client, the client responded, and now the sales uh, opportunity is still on track. Well, they didn't come up with, the salespeople didn't come up with that idea themselves. It had to be IDS or to use EOS term, identified, discussed, and solved, right? And once we had that situation for a sales opportunity, the light bulb went off for the owner like, oh, I see the efficiency now of getting everybody together for 90 minutes a week and working on that. You're right, Mike. Over the course of the week, everybody's got their 10 minute, 15, 30 minute to do's that are like plucking away at some of the issues. But the biggest one to close deals was being taken out of the revenue team meeting and moved to a different set of resources uh, for time, money, and people. Mm -hmm. One other quick example in another RGS client, they have a web designer that they love and they've used since they've started their company. So this only came up at the second or third revenue team meeting when something came up about a website. And we said, well, why isn't this person invited to the team? The website is the cornerstone to your entire marketing program. The uh, website person came to the meeting and we were discussing all sorts of things and they were like, oh, I could do that. Oh, I could do that. Oh, I could do that. But the client doesn't know the questions to ask or the things that are needed. So by bringing it all together and having an RGS coach, and I'm not promoting our service, I'm only giving an example of how a meeting could be efficient with the resources they had. He was like, oh yeah, that should take me an hour or two. I'll knock that out, no problem. But remember, that person's a web person, not a drive revenue person. So they didn't even suggest that in their engagement. And that's why you got to bring it all together to like trim off all the fat on these meetings in time that busy entrepreneurs like the one you reference, Mike, have. Yeah, that's, those are some really good examples I think everyone can kind of appreciate to, to some extent. So, you know, let's talk about how we need to figure out what resources we need, right? Mm -hmm. So- it's a it's a difficult question. Uh, how how would you um, suggest someone start the process of evaluating or thinking about what resources they need to to run their own revenue generation system? It's actually it itself emerges if that's even a word. So what typically happens is on the first or second weekly revenue team meeting, we take some time to get all the issues out on the table. And I typically frame it this way. If you were looking back at the end of the first quarter of working together, what would be the biggest things that you'd want to solve in your business when it comes to revenue generation? And everybody just starts pouring out things like, oh, I wish we were using HubSpot better. Uh, uh, I, I wish we uh, had a better website. Uh, I wish we had some sales collateral that we could send to people, blah, blah, blah. So everybody just pours it out. What we do is we make each one of those an issues in the 90.io software. Then we go through and we rank them. And we say, okay, is having a, be a better website more important or having better insight into data? Which one? And they rank having a, a better website higher. Great, now let's IDS the website. What would make the website? And from that conversation about what we need to make the website better, the needs of our resources become evident. And if the internal people say, oh, well, we can do that to make the website better, great. But I'll give you a great example. One of our clients was like, uh, yeah, we have to lean into HubSpot if we want to make our website better. Uh, okay, well, I, I think you should have uh, conversion points and nurturing, right? Two very, very basic website activities. Well, they said, well, we bought HubSpot, but we were never formally trained and we really just use it like a CRM and that's it. So we said, okay, what resources will you need around HubSpot to make it work? And they said, we don't have them internally. Can you help us? And that became a square two project. And we were filling the role of the outside agency in that scenario. Now, in the other example I gave you with the website designer, when their website came up as a big issue, they said, well, we already have a resource. We invited that person to the meeting. They said, I can handle that. So a contractor filled that space. So if you can't do it internally, this uh, open conversation around issues presents, well, we can't do it ourselves. So we could go to an agency or get a contractor. Which one should we do? And that also helps in the budgeting process too, because I wish all clients had unlimited budgets, but they don't. But by prioritizing the issues, we're going to spend the money this month on our website because we've all agreed that that's the biggest issue. And next month, we'll talk about leaning into HubSpot or creating more content or whatever their other issues are. And that's where it helps you prioritize, budget better, and then bring in the appropriate resources, whether agency, internal, or contractor. 
That was such a good an answer. We can literally like wrap the uh, podcast up right now because that well, covers you know, like all the points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to take any credit here because we modeled RGS after EOS and Gino Wickman and his team over at EOS really thought this out over the years. And we're just applying it to revenue generation because that's a big problem that uh, people have. But the system itself, like you just said, it already has most of the what ifs built into it. But like anything else, if you don't lean into the system, you're never going to uncover these opportunities to fix your website and bring in a contractor and have your social media be better because you're not discussing it on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. So just to summarize what you said, you're using the stated issues that, that, and you're, you've prioritized them. You said you ranked them, but you prioritize them um, based on what, what, like impact to revenue? Is, is that well, like the, it's the whole theme is impact to revenue, but it's really the team's preference on what they feel is the biggest obstacle to generating revenue. So for example, in the case I said about bringing in the outside website contractor, their website was beautifully designed, but awful when it came to generating new client appointments. All we said is, yeah, this is the biggest impediment to getting to our goal. They said they want to go from a 70% conversion rate to inquiries to sales, okay? No problem. They're at 60% now. 70% is actually ridiculously low if they would have had a website that was helping them do that. When we talked through that, that became their highest priority, and they decided this is what we should lean into this month. And that became part of the 30-day sprint. Right. And then uh, with the list of priorities, you can now decide what resources you need, right? Yes. So yes. if you have um, five things you want to tackle over the next 30 days, right? You've agreed that these are the five things we're going to do. You can look at internal resources and say, okay, the first Three are covered by internal resources and they have time to do that. And the next, the last two are not because we used up the internal resources time on the first three. We now have to look at what resources do we need to get uh, four and five done, right? Exactly. And our choices, you know, a freelance contractor or agency, right? Or I mean, yep. maybe there's someone else at the company that could possibly do it, but let's just assume everyone else in the whole company is busy, right? Yep. So now we're evaluating those last two things that need to get done. And we're going to look for the best possible uh, uh, people, regardless of where they are, to deliver on those two objectives, right? Yeah, let me also give you a little sub point to that, okay? So let's say there's the five things that you outline, and the three of them can be covered internally. The other two might be postponed and let the internal team work on that. But then that goes back to, well, wait a minute. We have our annual target of we want to do this amount of revenue. If we postpone that another month, and that's going to take another month to get it done, let's call it really two until we're done, and we're going to miss the whole opportunities that that quarter might hold. So then they're like, well, we have a choice. Do we change our target because we're not getting the things done that we have to, or do we go to the well and, and spend a little money on this? Uh, right. One other clarifying point, Mike, you keep using time as the only factor I think a lot of times when you're dealing with a choice of what should I do as far as resources, it's time or bandwidth, uh, sorry, or expertise, right? right. And right. the expertise, like a good example is one RGS client that I said, they said, well, by the time I learned how to create a workflow, I could just give it to you guys and you could do it for me. And that was a really interesting uh, 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 scenario to watch in real time, then make that realization that they just don't have the expertise to do it. By the time they figure it out, they'll miss the whole quarter. Right. So uh, time, uh, well, bandwidth, which is the same thing in time and expertise is how we're deciding what should stay in-house and what should be, what should go out of house. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's, but before, let's get to the, uh, I want to go a little bit more nuanced into this conversation because sometimes you may have people who have the desire to do the work, mm -hmm. but they might not have the expertise, mm -hmm. right? So those three things that we, we're talking about are going to get done in-house in our example, and people have stepped up to say, you know, hey, I'd like to, I, I can do this. You could have a scenario where they don't really have the expertise to do it. How, how would you uh, guide someone in that area? 
Yeah. So as part of the, if you go back to episode one and we talked about process, we talked about the essence of the revenue generation system is the weekly revenue team meeting. If I was going to say, well, I'll write the first draft of that piece of content we decided we need, and it's still an open item a week later. Okay, we'll give you another week on that. If it's two weeks now, we drop it down as an issue. We said we needed this content. We said it was a high priority and higher than other things. It's not being done. Let's have an open and honest conversation. Do we need to outsource this to a contractor agency? Do we need to hire another person like a content creator? If this is going to be an ongoing issue, let's talk about it. So, you know, it doesn't go more than one or two weeks. And I'll give you a great example. One of the things that one RGS client said was, we have no insight into our metrics. So we said, okay, remember in the weekly revenue team meeting, we're going to build a scorecard and we're going to look at it every week. After two weeks of that person not coming up with the key metrics that they wanted to follow, I, as their coach, dropped it down to an issue. I said, we're flying blind. We don't have any metrics. You said you would do it last week and the week before, and it's still not done. What can we do to help you break this open? And she said very uh, uh, politically, uh, uh, well, not politically, um, uh, politically correct. I think we need your help, Eric. Could you give us a quote on that? And we then slipped into the shoes of the agency participant and we put together a whole uh, proposal on metrics and scorecard building and dashboards and things like that. But it took two weeks of where is this? You said you would have this done before it had to become an issue. And then that issue got resolved in the IDS part of the meeting. Yeah, that's a good example of maybe a team that really wasn't honest with their capabilities, right? So it took the, the system to catch it and move it into something that could be dealt with. You know, I think you might also have a situation where you have resources who would like to do something, but perhaps their expertise is better served doing something else. So, you know, it 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 might not be about bandwidth. It might not be about expertise. It might be about, you know, where is the best use of this person's time? Mm -hmm. And in certain circumstances, if something needs to get done. And even though this person could do it, they really should be doing these other three things. They're actually more important than this thing on this list. Um, another reason to maybe consider moving it into one of those areas that would require external resources or uh, 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 an expert agency like we keep talking about. So- uh, that's it's exactly kind of right. It, it, just to make sure that you're clear, Mike, in the beginning of an RGS engagement, there's a lot of that. Oh, I'll do that. I'll do that. Right. And after a couple of to-dos going over a week or two or three, they're like, I need help. And they then start to find that equilibrium of what can you actually get done over the course of a week or a quarter if it's a, a rock? Yeah, I, I, I'm more thinking like it might take a um, a, 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 a stronger leader to say, look, I know you you want to do that. I really need you to do these other things. So this thing should get done by somebody else, right? That, yep. That's, I'm saying some of that has to be applied, uh, applied to this too. And again, I think the revenue team meeting is the forum to organize and prioritize and make sure that everyone at that meeting is comfortable with the prioritization that's getting discussed and with the application of expertise uh, in the right place without letting anything else going on in the company fall through the cracks. Like a lot of people have wear multiple hats in, in a lot of scenarios. So, you know, I know, you know, Mary Jane can do this work, but I really need her to do these three other things. Uh, so let's find somebody else to do that because I want to get it done and I want to get it done right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing because revenue team by definition is sales, marketing, and customer service. Those are like three pretty important departments that it touches. And a lot of people, I guess, are proud to say, I could do that. And then not so proud when they go, they don't get it done. And there's this like level that seeks it itself after two months or so where people are a little more like, I'm not sure I could get to that. Should we talk about outsourcing that? And that's a real good revelation of, do I understand the balance of the three buckets, internal uh, contractor and agency? Right. And then there has to be some kind of evaluation of resources and their capabilities. Just because someone wants to do it and has time to do it doesn't necessarily mean they're the right person to do it especially if it's going to take them a really long time to get it done and it's going to be done in a mediocre way. Again, it would be better for everybody to have something done uh, correctly and very efficiently 
and let that person focus on something that they do have expertise in. So, well, we had a salesperson that volunteered to write a sales sequence and it was the worst sales sequence I ever saw, but exactly. they took it upon themselves. And then um, as their coach, I had to say, here's why this is all about you. It should be about them. Right. You made it 16 emails. It should be four, you know, right. like they had no experience in writing a sales sequence and that's when it was misassigned. Right. And, and to my point, you know, if I was at that meeting, I would be like, no, you should focus on sales. You have these deals you're trying to close. You know, I'd rather you do, uh, you know, find some educational material and send out to these three people and get them excited about working with us than, you know, muddling your way through a, a, a email sequence, right? I think that's a really good example of how you want to put the right people on the right project uh, in a very intelligent, organized way. Like, you know, there's a lot of wasted effort from the in general when it comes to these kinds of projects. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people are feeling their way through it. A lot of people, you know, like they could be your best team member and they could be super excited about a project because they're going to get to do something for the first time. And that's great. But is that really the best use of their time? Even though they're excited and have a great attitude. Uh, that might not be the right decision for the company in terms of who's who's the right person to do this work. So, it, you know, like we're we're talking about resources. It seems like such a simple topic, but I think it's probably, in some cases, maybe one of the trickier things to try to navigate when you're getting this diverse group of people together. Especially to your point, when you maybe haven't gotten them together before, they don't really work as a single revenue team or hadn't really worked as a single revenue team before they've been marketing sales and customer service. Now they're together. They're trying to orchestrate everything that they're doing. You know, they're having some conversations that they probably never had before about priorities and expectations and, and, and things like that. So, you know, it's not maybe as, as obviously easy an issue as it might seem on paper. Yep. That's exactly right. And what's interesting is in most companies, sales, marketing, and customer service are all siloed. So uh, for many RGS clients, it's the first time they've all been together around the same table uh, talking about how do we generate uh, revenue together as a team. I would say that 90% of the time, the legacy thinking is the sales team will take care of the revenue. And if we get something from existing clients, it's gravy and marketing. They're just off doing those cute little things over there. They're not really all pulling on the rope in the same direction. So there is some uh, teething issues, so to speak, as this new baby team comes together and starts to work cohesively. Yeah, I also think the the framework of the meeting is helpful for new teams. Like there's obviously like a progression that new teams go through, you know, forming, norming, storming, norming, you know, whatever that that metaphor is that is pretty popular in business. Like I, I feel like the tools that they get in this system helps them accelerate that. It seems like these teams come together pretty quickly. They're organized, they're very efficient, the meetings very structured, the everything is captured, there's a data component to it. Like it's a really nice framework for a highly efficient effort that a lot of these teams have not been exposed to prior. So I, I think that is probably helping some of these teams get to an efficiency state sooner than later. I can honestly say, though, that there's not one RGS client that we've had to date that didn't enjoy the combination of sales, marketing, and customer service in this like brainstorming type setting using a specific agenda. They they literally, to a company, all feel that they're much more productive when they have this. So that's yeah, a good I thing. I can see that. I can see that. All right, let's talk about budget for a, a minute because um, we know that there's always more work to be done than we can afford, Right. So, yep. you know, everybody wants their entire website redone and they want it done, done in two weeks. And everybody wants a thousand pieces of content and they want it done in one week and they want to send out 30 emails. And they want it done in two days. Um, but no one can afford to work at that pace. So how do we use this framework to figure out our budget? How do we uh, use the system to manage to our budget? And talk to us a little bit about uh, not only the priorities, because we kind of feel like we kind of covered that, but when things get deprioritized, where do they go? And how do we keep circling them back so we don't forget forget about them? Okay, so the first thing that you would ask about is budget. And I'm just going to be completely blunt here for our listeners today. Nobody has a budget. 
everybody has some sales goals. Everybody puts together maybe a kind of budget at the beginning of the year, and then it's quickly forgotten. The budget to me is when ownership or leadership is involved in the revenue team meetings to make the decision, should we spend three grand on that, two grand on this, six grand on that, kind of on the fly. And I know that, that, that that's uncomfortable for a lot of people to hear, but when they put the budget together, they did not have the RGS experience to decide how much they actually need. So especially in the first year, it's a little bit like, well, wow, we really all agreed as a team that the uh, website needs work. The website contractor wants $10,000 to fix all this. Is that a yes or a no? That's kind of the way uh, RGS in the first year. Now, in the second year, you build a budget because it's completely tied to what your annual goals are and your revenue and how many leads. And everybody has a better handle on what's actually going to happen because they, they're flying blind in the beginning. And RGS is meant to put in a system where there wasn't one before. So that's the first thing. Well, can However, I stop you for a minute? Just yeah. let me, let's just take a pause on that. Because, you know, if we're <laughs> teaching them the system, then we're also helping them with a scorecard, which has metrics associated with performance. And shouldn't there be some monetary investment associated with that level of performance that is introduced fairly early into their new systems thinking? Yes and no. So they already have a budget, right? We spend $3,000 a month on marketing, okay? But- that is a number that just picked out of a hat or a number that maybe they calculated they historically uh, 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 invested, which didn't get them the revenue they were looking for. So there's some stuff that has to go on that, that's a little bit of a blind spot. So what typically happens is they'll say, oh, we didn't realize we needed this. And, and, a, and a good example is one client who doesn't have HubSpot. They're like, oh, well, we didn't account for $1,000 a month in HubSpot investment. But I see because HubSpot is related to three of our four top issues that we're having. Yeah, that is important and we should invest in that. But they never would have known that when they did their annual budget before becoming an RGS client or implementing RGS on their own, right? You learn that through the process of prioritizing the um, uh, issues that need to be attacked. And then you start to decide, well, do we have the money or should we do it now? Should we do it over two months? Should we do it over three months? Oh, wow. If we do it over three months, we might have to scale back our revenue projections. And it's a whole like uh, matrix of, of conversations that's working together. Now, in the second year, they already have the strong foundation bill from the first year. They could probably guesstimate within a thousand or two thousand bucks a month what their actual budget will be because they've already fixed their website. They've already created content. They've already started campaigns. They've invested in HubSpot. They don't need to do that again. And they, if they are something like HubSpot, that's now already in the budget as a recurring uh, investment. They definitely would have better data for a budget going into the second year. Right. Uh, like night and day. Right. Right. But I still I'm, uh, the point I'm trying to make is. They're going to have better insight into what their budget should be. Now, what it was, because you're right, they, they probably have the wrong budget. Going into this experience, but pretty quickly, we'll see that in order to get this amount of stuff done every single month. I'm going to need this amount of investment. That, yep. that should happen pretty early in their experience with a revenue generation system, right? Within two or three months, they realize they're dramatically short on their estimate of what right. it's going to take to invest to get to their next revenue plateau. Right. And they, they, they should be able to make a decision then about whether to increase the budget and go all in on hitting their goals, right? Mm -hmm. Or stay with their woefully small budget and realize they're not going to get to their goals. That should be something that is enlightening to them, right? In the first quarter, yes. Okay, great. Right. Agreed. Okay. Now, now, now that- oh, By the way, nobody, nobody ever over budgets. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but now that their, their kind of expectations are realigned, right? And everyone's working within that new budget, they're still going to have to make certain decisions about things that they can get done inside that budget and things that they can't get done inside that budget. What happens with those things that are not a, that they can't do in their current, but whatever their new budget is, they just still, some things can't get done in that monthly budget. Yeah, they go in the parking lot. So the parking lot is a container that's holding all projects that the team wants to do 
but aren't a ranking high enough on the priority list over other things that the team has voted to be more critical or B, they just don't have the budget. So a great example would be if you need a new website, right? Nobody uh, that I've ever experienced says, well, we plan for 2023 to invest $50,000 in a new website project, right? They're all like, well, we could just like patch the website and add a couple of pages and be done with it. So when you have a website that's so egregiously hurting the revenue generation effort, and they now realize that it's 50,000, call it $4,000 a month to fix their website, a lot of uh, serious conversations take place because if that's 4,000 of your 10,000 budget and you want this and you want that and you want to sponsor a conference and you want to go fly to see a big prospect and you want to add a new person in your social media department, you have to make some hard choices. The challenge is, is that nobody was outlining those things as options prior to setting the existing budget. So it's always a surprise. It's always a bit of a disappointment that we don't have enough in the kitty to get to where we want to go. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just the way it is. In the second year, all of that goes away. Now, if they wanted to double the size of the company in the second year, they might be short again. But now they've already had 52 weekly revenue team meetings, and they kind of know what they can get done and what they can't in the course of the current budget. Yeah, you keep saying the second year. So my 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 question is, they didn't have a budget to begin with, like you said. I completely agree, right? They're kind of just coming into this, hoping that they can get to these goals without really any, any idea of what it's really going to cost to get there. But in the first couple months, like you said, we're reestablishing a very important relationship between investment and expected results, a relationship that is non-existent in many, 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 many companies we talk to, right? Yes. So why can't they re- why can't they uh, reconfigure the budget to add more yeah. in the second half of the year? Yeah, they can. But that means right. they have to take away from other things in the company. Like maybe they wanted a new machine for their factory. And now they're like, should we postpone the machine or should we redo our website? You know, no, I know, I know. But 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 that's like that's offline. That, that's like someone else's area. Right. We're we're trying to keep them focused on this. Right. So so my point is that it's critical, critical, critical that the relationship between the money that they're investing in revenue and the results they expect to get from perform performance around revenue is proportional, has a direct relationship. Mm -hmm. Like to me, if they learn nothing about this resources conversation, other than that, th that would be successful. Is that because we just see this so frequently, right? Like um, I, I wanna double my revenue, but I'm, I'm planning on having one person working on this part-time and I've, I put aside $2,000 a month to, to deliver this. Like, no, not, not, not happening. And we, we always said not happening, but we never really had the structure and the framework and the tools to make it so obvious to them that they can see that, you know, I can only do two things at this budget level, but I need five things done every month. Like my budget is misaligned with what I'm trying to get the company to, 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 to be from a performance perspective. Right. Well, you know, if a company has a chief revenue officer, they're not an RGS candidate because they have a chief revenue officer who's supposed to be having that exact conversation that you just outlined. Hey, leadership, you want to double the size of the company, but you only have 50 cents a month to invest in that. And someone's doing that part time. We're never going to get there. I quit. Right. Or, hey, how can we allocate? I'll give you an example. A company doing a million dollars a month, $12 billion in revenue. They're generating 10% net profit. So they're putting $100,000 to the bottom line every single month. Of that, the owner is already accustomed to taking 50,000 of that as compensation. That leaves 50,000 in net profit a month. If you have to rebuild your website for $50,000 that month, that wipes out profit for that month. That's a choice that a leadership has to make about allocation. Now, if they say, I want to double my company and you're, you say, well, that's going to be $50,000 a month. You know what? I like my uh, boat and my house and my, uh, my kids are going to private school. Um, let's say that it's going to take us two years to double the size of the business. That is a very reasonable and rational conversation. The problem is none of that happens before they do this. It only happens after RGS comes into play. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, those are conversations that don't happen frequently enough in, in this area. And I'm well, hoping that, 
Yeah, having an objective RGS yeah. coach or someone who's accountable and responsible for driving revenue has to have those tough conversations with leadership about money because they cannot fulfill their promise to leadership that they will hit the revenue number if they don't have the budget to do it. Right. But those are those are difficult conversations to have. And I'm I'm leaning more into the tools than I am the the human element of this, right? Like well, the tools, like if leadership comes to one RGS meeting and they see a list of 16 issues and you can only work on the top three with the current budget, they may be like, horrors, we must find money that's, in the that, budget. That's what I'm done. getting to. That, that's yeah. what I'm getting to, right? Someone needs to look at that and be like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta open up the budget here so we can get more done faster, or I'm not gonna get to we're not going to do the revenue that we were expecting to do. Well, I had one RGS client that said bluntly, we're going to draw down from our line of credit and we're going to invest in this revenue generation effort. We'll pay back the line of credit when we generate the additional profit from the sales that we're going to get. Let's move forward. Like yeah. that's another like hard conversation to have. Should we go into some sort of debt to get to our future state? You know, right. some people don't have the stomach for that. Some people don't have the enthusiasm to do that. Some people, uh, you know, might just say, well, we're just going to have to let it ride, you know, and those are things that happen in business, unfortunately, more frequently than not. Yeah. Yep, it's true. But again, I think in all the years we've been doing this, this the relationship between investment and, and expected results is always very cloudy, very... Uh, uh, not something that's discussed frequently. There's, those are difficult conversations. But uh, I got to tell you, my... people that have, how about all the people over the years that have said to us like, oh, I don't care. This is it. This is all I'm spending. You guys figure out how to make it work. Like, it's not like there's magic going on here. There's a direct relationship well, between work and 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 projects and results. No, I would going to push back on you and I'll explain why. When I opened the show today, I said about this conflict that happens. I hire an agency to get me to the promised land, right? The agency says, I heard what you said, Mike, you should invest $100,000 in this program this year. Immediately, I'm skeptical. Will I get results? Will I able to grow? It's a third party that's telling you that you should spend this money. But look at the contrast of RGS. The team is identifying the issues. The team is prioritizing the issues. The team is then picking away one at a time at each one of those issues in the order of urgency and importance. It's now internal, not external. And that's where RGS helps companies get more traction because nobody's saying, ha, 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 we got another uh, you know, fish on the hook here. We're going to make some money off a client. It's more like, we understand this is what needs to be done in order to get to where we want to go. Let's figure it out together how to get there. And that whole taking that third party quoting and statement of work out of the thing is what makes RGS refreshing when it comes to using the resources like contractors or agencies. If I went to an agency now and I said, look, my top three priorities at my company are fix my website, implement HubSpot and have a better sales process hey, agency, give me a quote on these specific things to support me. It's not the agency pitching you on business. It's the agency filling a gap that you don't have in bandwidth and expertise. Yeah, it's a really good point. And a good one to wrap up on. Very rarely do they come to us with that kind of thoughtful request, right? It's never, more, never, right? It's more we want to grow our business 20%. Can you help us, right? And yep. then it's really up. It's up to us to figure it out and we do the best we can with limited data and, and limited access to really what's going on there, including their capabilities. Um, this other uh, approach is much more uh, realistic in the way it designs the work that needs to be done, prioritized, and even sets the budget, which is what we were talking about for a long time today. That's exactly right. Well spoken. Very good. Very good. Uh, let's wrap up for today. That was a, that's, that's enough for most people to stomach, I believe. Uh, uh, well, you know, I just want to make sure our listeners understand we don't mean to make this any blaming. What we're doing is we're two seasoned people in the field trying to relay some of the things that are, quote, wrong with revenue, right, with revenue generation. So while we're a little bit harsh, like, come on, leadership, open up the purse strings. Come on, people, prioritize. Let's be honest. Let's RGS weekly revenue team meetings, take 90% of that out of the equation. Just give it a try. You can self-implement RGS yourself if you want to give it a try. And if you have challenges, get a coach. But this solves so many of the problems of the rub between agency, contractor, and internal resources.
Very nicely said. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, check out the show on our YouTube channel, Square to Marketing as a YouTube channel. Uh, all of the What's Wrong With Revenue shows are posted there. New shows are posted every Thursday morning. Like us, subscribe, leave comments. We really appreciate all of those clicks. Thank you very much. You can also check out the show on What's Wrong With Revenue on the Square Two website. At the bottom of the page, there's a, a footer with a link, What's Wrong With Revenue. Click it. You can submit questions. I promise Eric and I will get back to some questions next uh, episode. Uh, we have collected a few. We'll try to catch up and cover some of those for you guys so you can submit them there. You can also subscribe to the show. We'll send you the show on Thursdays and we'll also let you know what upcoming shows are going to be so you can decide if you're interested in them or not. You can also get the show on our free streaming service called Square2 Plus. It's on the Square2 website, square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. We have channels for CRO, CEO, CMOs, and we have a technology channel for everything HubSpot. Go check it out. It looks a lot like Netflix. I think you're going to love it. And you can subscribe to Square2 Plus, and we will also alert you when new content is posted there. And finally, if you're into audio and podcasts, this show is available on all your favorite audio podcast platforms. Thanks very much for joining us. Real quick, next show is going to feature... Hold one minute. Suspense, suspense. Yes, here it is. Season two, episode nine, why you might need a coach. So, you know, we've talked a lot about the system for the last six episodes, but there's a piece of the system that's really important and it's your coach. We'll talk about how a coach helps, what a coach does, whether you need a coach or not. Um, it's a really interesting concept and we'll use a whole bunch of interesting metaphors like the golf coach and the baseball coach. And I think you guys will get a real good idea about how a coach fits into this system and helps you achieve your objectives. Eric, great show. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed the pickleball talk also. Let's hit them straight. <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye.